I don't know about you guys, but um, I don't know if you've ever felt really weird. Maybe just turn it down again. But um, I don't know if you've ever felt weird and felt like at times you don't belong. Um, you know, I remember when we had, or we were about to have, uh, Madeline. And I remember being in a cafe with some friends of Danielle's mum and dad. And they were saying, you know, when, when you have this child, your whole life was change, will change. And everything's going to change. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah. Just thinking, you know, I will. And I remember having Madeline and not having the feelings that this woman said I would have. That nothing was very different to the way it was. And thinking, am I not normal? Because it seemed to be the comments that everyone would make. When you have kids, your whole life will change. You'll fall so head and heels over love with this little person that you won't know love until you have a kid. And I had a kid and I wasn't feeling like that. And I thought, I'm either really hard-hearted or I'm incredibly different. And I didn't have an understanding. And I was thinking, man, and then we had Lily and same thing. This overwhelming love that people said you would have, I didn't have. I had that love, but it just wasn't for these kids. It was about eight years ago that I realized the call in my life. I realized why I felt so different. I didn't know it myself, but when he took me on that journey of 18 months, he showed me. He showed me why I was not attached, why this feeling that I thought I was going to have, I didn't have for these kids, I had it for him. This all-consuming love that was compelling that you would lay your life down for was my love for him. He said, son, you're an apostle. He said, part of the gift that comes with that is I fill you with my love to the measure that you'll fall head over heels in love with me. He said, that's the reason why you don't love your wife with this all-consuming love. That's the reason why you don't love your kids. That's the reason why you don't even love your own life. Because I filled you to such a measure with me that you love me. He said, the gift on your life is not an evangelist, which is what I thought it was and which everyone boxed me and told me it was because I had a heart for lost people. Everyone thinks if you have a heart for the lost, you must be an evangelist. So you get boxed. I'm an evangelist. And yes, I can dialogue with lost people. But he said, you're not an evangelist, you're an apostle. And you're an apostle who's growing. How many people know that when you get a gift, the gift is the gift, but the maturity is something that needs to mature to be able to handle the gift. And then he showed me this picture of my shoes. I don't know if you can remember, at one point in time I had these cool, real, well, I thought they were cool. Danny thought they were cool, so she bought them. They were those sort of orangey, sort of pointy shoes with the, Silver sort of slashes on the side. They were cool. They were the Holy Spirit flames, that's right. Blessed are those that preach. They need to move fast. 
But I remember he showed me this picture of my those shoes and in the shoes in the vision. And I don't get many visions, but in that 18 months, I got a lot. And he showed me my feet. My feet were a size seven and a half in a 12 shoe. Because my, so- my foot is a 12. But in the vision, my foot was a seven and a half. He said, you're going to fill this shoe out. And it's being filled out. It's not full. And he gave meaning to why I felt so weird. It was like, I now know who I am in you and why I felt weird for so long. And he started to show me the purpose for my life and the function. You see, you have to be set apart to be able to live this out. You have to be able to be cut off from everybody else to be able to live this out because if you're not, they have the potential to take you down. When you have to say the things that you have to say and you don't want to say them, if you're attached to your wife, then you won't bring a word to your wife because you're afraid your wife won't like you. And if you're in insecurity, you're afraid that, like, how can I say that? How can I say this? How can I say it to a brother? How can I say it to a sister? How can I say it to maybe those that are above me if I'm attached to humans? See, part of the apostolic is to cut the flesh ties that we think are so normal and natural and then reattach us back so then we're able to love like Christ. So you can't love like Christ while you're attached. You have to be detached, then love. You have to be filled with the love of God to be able to love like God. And that's why it's so hard. That's why it's so offensive because this apostolic message, if it's heard through the flesh, is offensive to the flesh because it says the things that the flesh hates. It speaks directly to the heart of the flesh because it goes for the jugular because it knows it's choking the person. So it goes straight after the issue of the heart. That's why he says, guard your heart for it's a wellspring of life. And this gifting is powerful. It's a very powerful gift because it's used to turn things upside down, bring it into alignment. It literally brings heaven to earth. Literally, it brings heaven's ways to earth. It says, you're not my mother, you're not my brother. It says, these people over here are my family because those people are doing my will. Jesus' own family thought he was a nutcase. Read the scriptures. They thought he was off his mind. It said you have no, he said, a prophet has no honor in his own household because a prophet comes and says this is the word of the Lord. And some people, doesn't matter if they're related to you physically, don't like it. If you want to pray for someone in this church, please pray for my wife. And I say that with all seriousness. Because she's married to someone who has this substance in them that only knows one way. And he ain't backing down. Because what he's put in me is such a tenacity. I only know one way. James said, you're a battering ram. 
You're going to smash things. God said you got a head like flint. If you know I'm from Liverpool, and Liverpool Liverpoolians are known for headbutting. It's a Liverpool kiss. You don't want to get a Liverpool kiss. I've been trying to figure out how to handle this thing, and still am, for the last nine years. So is my wife. So are my kids. If you get close to me, then so will you. Because I will love you to death. But I'll speak the truth to you in love. Please forgive me and have grace. Sometimes it doesn't come out right, but it is from a heart of love. Because I'm still trying to figure out how I deliver the messages and the reality of the truth in a way that is in nugget form, but it's so full and big that it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. The easiest thing to do is just create a nice three-point sermon with a PowerPoint. That's what's easy, because that can be done from the intellect. But what's really hard is to try and communicate the living word, because I'm representing my father. That's the role that I have and other people have, is to represent heaven, to only speak what heaven says and what heaven is. So I don't want to speak anything that's not him because I don't want to misrepresent my father because I love my father and I know my father has radically saved me for a radical purpose. And so the purpose of the apostle is to turn the church back to the right way up if it is the wrong way round. The role of the apostle is to set the plumb line, straight plumb line, and then lead and put up with what comes with that. But one is graced and empowered to put up with what comes with that. So one cannot boast because one has been given much. And much is expected of one who has been given much. And one is not better than the other. It just is. For whatever reason, the Father chooses who he chooses. I'll be 100% honest with you. I wouldn't have put my hand up to be an apostle. Don't put your hand up for something you're not graceful. So I would not have chosen the gift. When you go read 1 Corinthians 4, you'll know why. Who wants to be the scum on people's shoe? Who wants to be mistreated for love? Who wants to have people spit and lie and curse and make stuff up? Who wants to be judged and sentenced and put in prison and you stand there going, what have I done wrong? And then continue to love and pray. You want that one? No, we all want to be prophets, eh? You don't want to be a prophet either. 
You don't want to be an evangelist or a teacher or a pastor. You don't want to have the gift of helps if you're not graced for the gift of helps. You don't want to be a little toe unless you're graced to be a little toe. You want to want what you want to want, what you're given. And you've all been given gift, gifts to run in a way that build a body. It's all about the body. And part of the apostolic's role is to apprehend self-centeredness and selfishness and individualism because it is rampant in the church because it's flesh and we all have flesh and the only way flesh gets renewed is through the spirit and through the word. Otherwise you live from your flesh and so you live for yourself like we heard this morning. And you never live for the purpose to which you were called, which is to be part of a body, a family, and a family that can love like the Father. Not like my humanity, like the Father. God is radically, he's doing a radical work here. And because it's radical, we've seen the effect of a radical work. He's taking back his church. He's saying, I'm going to build her the way she was always intended, and that's my way. And he said to me, Greg, will you get out the way and let me build my church? I want to use you, but if you're going to get in the way, I'm going to remove you, or I'm going to go right past you. (laughs) What do you do? You run away, maybe, or you run too? And that's the challenge. He's saying, I wonder if the rock are going to run to me or run away from me. And when he aligns all the ducks and when he puts the ducks in place, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And so the power of the truth that comes and is implanted in you so you can love someone like God is the same power that can repel you. Bible says that some smell like an aroma of life and others death. And this is the challenge because you can't get away. If you want to be able to love like God, then that's a powerful word that if you try and understand it in your head or if it comes because it's got to do a work in you because you may not be able to yet because there's more of you living than him, then has the power to repel you. But I think Danny said this morning, stay. 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 And let the master surgeon go to work. So you've got to consign a, you have to sign a consent form when you have surgery, don't you? I give you the authority to operate on me. And those are the choices that we all have to make. And so I'm feeling really at home now in my shoes. I feel real at home. And if you haven't noticed, I've said things that I wouldn't have said here two years ago. I found it at times just coming out my mouth, going, oh, that's out there now. No way back. Because the timing is now. 
You see, the soil has to be ready to receive. Otherwise, all you do sometimes is just throw your pearls into nothingness. God's timing, and we are ready. As a whole, I believe we're ready to receive, even though the work started nine years ago. It's crazy, isn't it? The work started, but now we're ready. <laughs> it takes time. It takes time. Some of us have had real hard hearts, and the word needs to plow and get in there and plow and plow. Some of us just have lacked understanding, just didn't know. What's this fivefold thing? What's this apostolic thing? What's this prophetic thing? And I know, do you know? Nah, nah. And yet God's bringing understanding through our seeking. He's concealed stuff for us. He tells you that. I'm going to hide it. Why does God hide stuff? Because he's looking for who's going to go seeking. Because the Bible says he rewards those who seek. So how much do you want? Do you want the all, the half, the quarter, the sixteenth? Or do you want the all? He's the God of the all. Love me with all. Give me all your life. And I promise you, I'll give you my all. I've already given you my all, but I'm going to give you my all. I'll make a way. Oh, I've made a way. You just have to walk through the door and stop trying to go round the door. Walk through the door. And the door is his son. And his son was the apostle. He was the apostle. He was the prophet. He was the teacher. He was the pastor. He was the evangelist. But the Bible says first apostle. Why? Because of what he did, what he created, what he came to do, what he came to model. And then he looked at a man who didn't know him called Paul, Saul, and said, that man is my chosen instrument. I'm going to take the things that aren't, and I'm going to make them are. I'm going to confuse everybody. I'm going to take the nobody who's had no background in theology, hasn't been to college, lived in the world, and I'm going to take him and make him. And it's going to confuse all the religious spirits. Why not me? Don't know. Ask him. You see, he takes these nobodies. He takes people like John the Baptist. And the word of the Lord came, and there's Pilate and all these fancy people. It says in Luke 3, all the who's who's, basically all the presidents and the prime ministers. And the word came to a guy called John. You can imagine Obama, Trump, standing there going, who's this fella John? I don't like you, you don't like me, but who's that guy John? Don't know. He's a crazy man that wears funny clothing. Lives in the wilderness. See, God takes those that aren't and he makes them are. And so you have this man called Saul who becomes Paul. And then Paul says this to you and I. He says, imitate me as I imitate him. It's a call to the church to be apostolic. Jesus is the apostle. 
Paul is the apostle. We're not all apostles, but we are called to be apostolic. Just like we're called to be prophetic. Just like we're called to be evangelistical. Just like we're called to be shepherds. Just like we're called to be teachers, we are called to be apostolic, but not in name. The apostolic church, no. In heart and mind, in attitude, in nature, in characteristic of the Father, for I am of the seed of the Son, and the Son was an apostle, and so I am to be the same model characteristic of the Son. So if you want to know what it means to be apostolic, look at the chief apostle. Look at his life. Look at the nature, the character, the power. And then God gives you a man by the name of Paul. Just in case you think, oh, that's Jesus. And he's special because he's Jesus. And yes, he was a man, but God, but man, but God, but I think he was more God than man. No, he was man. So God gives us Paul, which we know was a man, who somehow managed to live this life that Jesus lived. What as? As a witness to you and I, as a model, as a type, as a picture of who the church is to be. Paul is a picture of a church. He's a picture of a son or sons. And then the man with all humility, and God lets him write it in God's book, imitate me as I imitate. Christ. What he's saying is, look at my process. Look at how I went from Saul to Paul. Look at how I maintained my life as Paul. I did not learn under Gamaliel. Sorry, I did under Saul. But I did not come to be Paul under the system of man. It was under heaven. Can you see why I've been talking about operating systems? The apostolic people operate under heaven, not man. We operate under the direct open heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us. The Holy Spirit needs to be your teacher, not me. I am used to teach, but the Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Bible says there will come a day when no one, they will not need anyone to teach them. Because they will know because of the relationship they have with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will be the teacher. And he is. And so if he's not, I would urge you to get to know him. He wants you to know him. For he has much to say to you about who you are, who the church is, who the church is called to be who Jesus Christ is, who the Father is, and the plans that he has for the church, not as individuals, as a church, as a body. And the apostolic has a major part to play in help shaping and forming this church. But the church can reject and deny and justify it all away. Or it can accept, believe, receive, and allow the word planted to enter in. So just in your notes, there's a question. 
How does the gift of the apostle influence the culture? Character and climate of the church. How does the gift of the apostle influence the culture, character, and climate of the church? The church being God's people. You think about a culture. Think about your workplaces. What sort of culture do you have in your workplace? Healthy culture? Horrible culture? People spend more time fighting with one another than they do being one? Is everybody aligned to the same vision, same purpose of whatever it is, the team, the business? Or do you find people squabbling for their own agendas, trying to protect their own patch? See, when I talk about culture, I mean a culture within you. I talked yesterday about cultivating and keeping your own garden and your garden being your mind and your heart. What culture do you have within you? What climate is there within you? What characteristics come out of you because your culture and your climate are kingdom, are apostolic? The gift of the apostle is used by God to establish God's foundations in the church. I'm just going to whiz through this because we've talked about this and I want to get on to these five points. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and God's apostles and prophets lay out his foundations. Do you know you cannot teach yourself the foundations? The foundations have to be revealed. You can't go, I'm going to educate myself and discover it. That will puff you up, that will have you with information, but you'll have no power coming out of you to release and set the captive free. It'll just be words, nice sounding words. But as I've talked a lot, you cannot, you cannot, Fill yourself with knowledge, true knowledge, knowledge that births life. You can go and study about it. You can learn all about a topic. You can learn all about Jesus. But when Jesus says to you, come to me and I'll give you my reality, you won't have that. See, the rich young ruler was trying to get in but through principle, not person. He was trying to use the principles of God. He didn't want the person. Because the person asks for much, the principal doesn't. The person says, give me all. The principal doesn't. You can short-navigate relationship trying. Now you spend your whole life doing that rubbish and get nowhere. It's the person. And so there's two powerful scriptures there in Ephesians and Corinthians. I would ask you to look at that in your own time, especially the Corinthians one, because it talks about not building on another foundation. And then what you get is at the end of it is the judgment seat. So the Bible says there's going to be a judgment seat for you and I. Did you know that? I hope you do. Okay, so there's a judgment seat. 
not for punishment, for reward. To reward you on how you have lived because you have understood Father and the Father's ways. And you have positioned yourself to be part of a body and a church that are living to glorify his name. So you have given your life to see that established. And that's what we're going to look at, these five S's, which is the characteristic and the nature of an apostolic church. This is when the heat's going to get turned up a little bit, and that's okay. Because it's not our role to have to do the work, it's our role to surrender to the person and then allow the person to do the work. But you have to allow the person into your innermost being which can be really scary when you don't want to take off the mask and expose your true state because you want to keep it as it is. But keeping it as it is doesn't bring life. It just delays life and it brings more death. And you plateau. And you wonder why everyone else is sort of growing and you're stuck because you won't let go of you and you won't let him in. And so there's this judgment seat, and the Bible says that God's fire is going to go through us to test the work that was done in the church. Not whether we went to Cambodia or not. Did my life reflect what he was asking of it? Son, I came to you in 2008, and I presented you with a question through another man. And you listened, and you sought, and you came into, and now you're living it out. What happens that day if I say no? What happens if I go, well, that's an interesting thought, but I've already got my agenda down, and I know how it works, and I'm just doing what I think because I believe it's right. Do you know what? We're not, we're not chatting today. We're not even standing here nine years later on. We've got to grab how powerful this is. When he comes and he's been coming and he's still going to come here and if we reject or if we try and skip around or if we just go, well, I'll just do my little thing while these guys are doing their thing. I'll sort of be part of it but not really. I'll just do my own little thing with my own little people. I wouldn't be doing that because he's watching especially if this is what he's doing and you're afraid of what he's doing so you do your own thing trying to sort of stay connected but you're not really you see there's life in what he's doing and he's going to come and he's going to ask now the Bible says and God spoke to me this morning as Sandra was praying test the Savior in the faith what does that mean? He's saying, test to see if you're in the faith. Are you living the way he says we're to be living? What we'll do is I'm just going to speak and then we can fill in some of the blanks. Okay, I just want us to... Um, oh no, actually I won't do that. I'll just quickly run through it. So at the bottom of 1 Corinthians 3, as we receive the right foundations through his word, as we receive the right foundations through his word, 
we then will find ourselves being able to live in alignment to his word and demonstrate Christ-like attributes. As we receive the right foundations through his word, we will then find ourselves being able to live in alignment to his word and demonstrate Christ-like attributes. Jesus was the apostle. Then there's a scripture for that. Then you've got Paul saying, he was an apostle, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. What he's saying is, be a person of faith. Be a person of love, hope. You can't be an apostle unless you are one. So don't go, all oh, right, now I've got to try and be an apostle. And that means I've got to fly around halfway around the world and go here and go there and, you know, dialogue with philosophers and all that sort of stuff. No, no, no. Look at the man's process. Look at how he went from Saul to Paul. Imitate my process. How I receive the word, how I receive the gospel. Then ask yourself, is that how you receive the gospel? Is that how you receive the word? The man said, I no longer live. So the church is to be apostolic in heart, mind, and demonstration. Just like Christ, just like Paul. The church is to be apostolic in heart, mind, and demonstration, just like Christ, just like Paul. That's a little different from just being saved. And then life continues as normal. Okay, so the first attribute. Jesus was sacrificial in the laying down of his life. Jesus was sacrificial in the laying down of his life. And we are to be sacrificial in the laying down of our lives. Do you know how you'll know if you're really following is this is a key. So it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 3.16. Funny how it's almost the same, isn't it? He's good like that. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself what that means? Because it's massive. It's massive. It's he's going to check you on this. So I came, I laid my life down that you could receive my life, and then I taught you to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. So if you look at the life of Christ, there's the example of what he's looking for. So I could go into tonight and give you 20 things of what it looks like to lay down your life. And we probably will as we go forward as a family. 
One would be, how much time do you spend in prayer for this church? How much time do you spend asking the Father to reveal what has been spoken for this church? Meaning people you don't even know. Has that entered your heart and mind yet? Or is prayer, if you do pray, more about you and your needs? See, this is what it looks like when you start laying your life down because you can, because you've received him. You start looking like him, living like him. How much time is spent with him, in him, that you would be able to Share with a brother or a sister a living word. And would you even have the courage to bring a rebuke in love to a family member or a friend who needs it because they don't know they're going off this way, but they need to be corrected in love. Would you lay your life down for that person and risk getting a punch in the face? Broken relationship. Having them walk away from you. Have them think that you're a judgmental, self-righteous, religious nutter. Now I'm talking about done well. I'm not talking about from a self-righteous place. I'm talking about from Christ-like place. Danny and I have had to have conversations, haven't we? Hard conversations at times both ways because behavior wasn't aligning to kingdom but what if she but what if he what if do you trust me do you know one of the greatest men in the word his name was Nathan you heard of Nathan What did he do? He put his head on the chopping block. He went to the king of Israel and said, David, let me tell you a riddle. He was a wise man. David was a warrior, was a man of blood, as much as he was a worshiper. Could have had the man killed. You see, peacemakers... Step into areas where there's no peace for love because they lay their life down for their brothers and sisters. So how much true laying down of our lives are we doing? And here's the thing, you can't lay it down unless you know the person. Hence he wants to come into your life and change your life and if you reject the word and the power of the word then you'll never be able to lay your life down so you'll live for yourself. And that's not an apostolic people, guys. An apostolic people lay their lives down for one another. They're more thinking about others than they think about themselves. They live for others. They prioritize what they do for others, no longer themselves. Self has long gone. Living for yourself, what's that? Seek first the kingdom. I shared yesterday that Danny and I, and me as an individual, I prioritize and I put 
things in that are non-negotiable. This is the intentionality that one is required to do if we're truly going to follow, is that there are non-negotiable. We choose things as a couple that I know many people would never do. One of them was Sunday, no birthday parties, no sports things, no things because why? Because we gather as a body to worship the most incredible person on the planet from love, not from law, love. And we set that as a absolute non-negotiable, but we're not here at 10. We're here well before 10 because we're building something in the spirit for the body that's coming. Oh, gee, get up early. As if that's like massive. I had someone say to me once, fast? What are you talking about? Go without food? Even within here. Oh, it's at dinner time. Well, bring your dinner with you. This is where it's got to go. This is where it's going in him. He'll do this work. See, if we want all, you've got to give all. It's the all. Can't dance around, man. It's all. Jesus in the notes was selfless, and we are to be selfless. Jesus was selfless. And we are to be selfless. Luke two, twenty-two, forty-two. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Two Corinthians five, fourteen to fifteen. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all. Therefore, all died, and he died for all, so that they. Do you know who they are? Us. So that us, we, who live, might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. See, the key is in the very first statement, for the love of Christ controls us. When you know the love of God and are controlled by God, it's joy. You no longer live because you know you're already dead. Aren't we all dead people? Theoretically? Positionally? Isn't that what baptism was about? Isn't it about receiving him that you died the day you received him? So why is it so hard to not live for him if you're dead? It's because you're still living, eh? But see, the love of God, like Sandra beautifully said, will come and trump you. That's why we need to seek him with all our heart to receive his word, which is power, which comes and then fills you with love that you would lay your life down and go, it's easy now. Man, I want to be here. I want to position myself here. I want to position myself here. I position myself here. I'm found in Christ, partaking of Christ. I'm found at his feet, 
receiving from him. Why? Because the love of God controls me. Not the love of Greg, because I try and do any of this in my own strength. I'll last one week, if that, and I'll be burnt out. Number three, Jesus was a servant. And we are to be servants. Matthew twenty twenty eight. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew twenty three eleven to twelve. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Who wants to be a servant? What happens when you get treated like a servant? Is there something greater in you that's able to not take offense? Servant. See, servants of Christ don't serve with agendas. They come agenderless. They come like this. How can I help you with your purpose? How can I lay my life down, because I'm controlled by love, to see this church, this body, become all it can be? What do you need me to be? What do you need me to do? Sweet. It's a real challenge, eh? But see, this is the church. This is the church that Jesus writes about. This is the church that he sees. This is the church that he's building. This is the church that he longs for. This is the church, the people who he desires that will glorify his name, that will be so in love and so one that a world would know. That's a powerful, powerful people. But a people that have surrendered to him. Servants of the Most High God. Paul said, I'm a bond servant. I was given freedom. And with my freedom, I choose to serve my king. You're free to serve yourself. You're free to serve whoever. But with my freedom that I've been given, I choose to serve you and your people with my life. I no longer exist. My purpose and mission is to serve and fall in love with my father and to serve what he wants and love what he says. That's apostolic. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so cutting. That's why it has this explosive dynamic to it which upsets us if we hear it through the flesh. But if you can receive it through the Spirit, if you can receive the purpose, who you've been called to be, there's an identity crisis in the church. There really is. I mean the church, not the church. See, this is the culture and the characteristic of God's people. 
you were not just born to just scrape into heaven, just to get by. You are not a problem. You were given a promise before you ever were born. And we've said you guys are all a problem and you need fixing. You were born for a promise. And sin got in the way. And the promise is that you would look like me. That you would walk in the manner in which I walk. That you would be apostolic like I am apostolic. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about Christ. That you would hear like me, see like me, discern like me, be generous like me. That the way you live would look like me. So if I stood here, my people stood here, there'd be oneness. I pray for fellowship with you. I believe you'd be one with me. That's why the son prayed for oneness before you and I ever were. He saw you and I before we ever were. And he prayed for us that we would be one with him first and one another. That is a powerful apostolic people who are indestructible. You cannot take out these people, guys. Jesus Christ builds this apostolic church, and this apostolic church overpowered the gates of Hades. Have you ever realized what that scripture means? The gates of Hades are your flesh and the enemy. The church Jesus builds, the gates of Hades do not overpower it. Why? Because they're walking in authority and power. I've given you authority to bind, cast, lock, unlock. It's an offensive church, not a defensive one. It only knows one way going forward. Why? Because it is in the word and the word is in it. And if you abide in me as I am in you, then you will have my life. And if you're in my life, are you going to live like me, act like me? Oh, 1 John 2 verse 6, you will walk in the manner in which I walked because I was man. You see, we write it off and we go, but he's Jesus. Yes, he was a man. He doesn't dangle a carrot in front of you and go, ha ha. Gotcha. No, he says you can have rivers of living water in your spirit gushing out of you. But you've got to seek me. You've got to lay it down. You've got to be sacrificial, selfless. You've got to want it more than you want you and what you might currently love. Otherwise, you will never experience this, guys. You never will. Because you're not looking for it. You're actually telling him, I don't want it. He gives to those who ask. Those that seek, knock with all their heart, he gives. He's not a liar. He does what he says he does. But he must see the heart that's asking and seeking and knocking. It's a posture of heart. You can't just come and go, oh yeah, that guy on Sunday night, so I want it. It's he's looking because it's, let's pray, Father, I want to live for you. I want to be like you. This is the prayer you'd want to pray. I want to lay my life. I'm ready to give you my entire life because I want to glorify you with my life. You're the only thing that matters. You're the only person that matters. There's nothing in this world worth living for. No other person is worth living for till I find you. And you give meaning to every relationship, everything. And so, Father, I want to live for you. I will live for you. So I ask you to fill me. I ask you to come with your word and fill me with a word that will set me free from me. And I'm going to pray this. 
and be found in this place till it happens. I don't care how long it takes till it happens. Until it happens, I will wait on you for you will strengthen me. And when that happens, I will be like an eagle that soars on the winds. I will no longer be trying to do it. I will soar above the earth because I waited upon the Lord. He said, go into that upper room and wait until the timing is right when I will come and fill you with a power from on high, which I've promised you, I'm going to clothe you with a reality that you don't know yet to live for me. Don't you dare go anywhere but that upper room because you will never get to the ends of the earth. You will never get to Jerusalem if you don't have me. So there's your prayer you want to start praying with that level of rawness and intensity. You gotta get a bit angry. You gotta go, I've had enough of just surviving or dribbling along or coming to this church and just something in us has to stir that you get a bit angry and fed up and you come to the end of you and he goes, come on, now you're getting real with me. Now I'm seeing a heart that really wants me and I'm going to come and I'm going to fill your heart, fill your mind, I'll fill your house, I'll affect your children, I'll affect your wife because somebody's praying with faith. It stirs God. It stirs him to move. He responds to righteous prayer. Men and women of righteousness that pray. The Bible says that Jesus was full of piety, righteousness, supplication, humility, and he prayed and the Father heard his prayer. The Bible says he was found early in the morning, in the dark, going up the mountain. He got up early. Before anyone, everyone else was sleeping because he was stirred. He knew who he was. He said, man, if I'm going to accomplish this mission, it's pretty big. I was with you when we wrote it together. So, Father, Father, I'm here. Jesus was set apart. Number four, and we are to be set apart unto the Lord. Jesus was set apart, and we are to be set apart unto the Lord. One Peter two nine, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. What are these excellences that you and I are to be proclaiming? So that you may may proclaim the excellency of him. This is for everybody, guys. See, as you start to know more and more of who he is and who you are, 
shows you excellent things that you get to proclaim. You get to be a witness, live it, and proclaim it. You get to talk about realms and realities. And people are like, that's been revealed in you. So it's not that you just share it, it's in you. That's right, the life of it is in you. Why? Because you know that you've been chosen. A royal priesthood. Priests minister to God, minister to people. They lay their lives down. They're not selfish, they're selfless. I no longer live. I live by faith, he said. I dealt with I a long time ago. And it's dead and buried. And I'm not digging it up. That's what he's saying. For you once were not a people. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you know there are some people who have been born for wrath? Go read Romans. It says that some people were born for mercy. Some people are born for wrath. Some people were never, ever going to know. These people, their eyes will never see. Their ears will never hear. Otherwise they would turn and be forgiven. I've blinded them. But you, you've been born for mercy. Chosen for mercy. If that doesn't make you fall to your knees and weep, that you could have been born for wrath, but he saw you and he born you for mercy. And be thankful and appreciate powerful reality the last one Jesus was sent by his father into the world and we have been sent by Christ into the world so Jesus was sent by his father into the world and we have been sent by Christ into the world John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. John 17.18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So we have a mission of being sent. What for? To proclaim the excellencies of our Father. See, the apostolic, as we've looked at, has been sent to the church to create a sent church. Jesus was sent from the Father to create a sent people. So God sends the church apostles to keep the pattern going because God knows people and people turn back to themselves and live for themselves. So he sends the apostles 
And then he continues to send apostles. So the people become a sent people. Sent to what? To lay our lives down. Sent people are sacrificial. Selfless. They can't live for themselves. Otherwise they won't live for others. And that's what Christ-like people do. Now I'm talking about it's. You know, if someone gets radically saved or saved tonight, then there's a process of maturity, isn't there? So we're all on this growth, but we need to realize, are we growing? Can I actually go, these characteristics are being formed in me. The word of God is being formed in me. So I find in myself, I can actually keep the commandment and love Sam like Christ loves me. So you can actually measure yourself by the true standard called the word of God, not your version of you, and measure and go, look at that. You promise I'm in it. You promise I'm in it. You promise I'm in it. The promises are to be revealed. Prophecy, if it stays unfulfilled, is unfulfilled prophecy. Prophecy is to be no longer prophecy. It's to be known. That's how long we know that. Do you know that? Prophecy is to be known. So the prophecy was battleship. If we don't become a battleship, the prophecy is unfulfilled. Now there's grace for it, but there's also judgment for it. He doesn't just say stuff for the fun of saying stuff. He doesn't send people here for the fun of sending people so we'll all get a nice form fuzzy wuzzy and go, oh, that was nice. God sends people with the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord must come true because it's a promise from heaven. So he says, I promise you a whole world of things that I want to see realized, I want to see known, I want to see these people. I'm expecting to see an apostolic people. He's seen them throughout generations. They are waiting for us. They are cheering us on. The people that have lived by faith, the apostolic people, are going, come on, you guys, come on. Man, you had stuff we never had. You've got the Holy Spirit. We didn't have that in our time. Maybe one or two of us did, but it was different. It was a different covenant. You guys have got everything you need. Come on. And do you know why they're cheering us on? Because it says until we come in, they don't get fulfilled. So there's a bit of a selfish motive going on with them as well. Because they're waiting until you guys get here, we're not getting the reward that we're promised. And now we've lived it, now live it. Do you realize the world is quickly going to custard? So if the world's going to custard, are we getting ready? Serious. The world is going to custard. Did you think 10 years ago that a man could marry a man and a woman could marry a woman? Would you have put that in the scheme on your list? It's happened. What else is happening? Nations are starting to invade the nation. Nations around the world, if you know anything about biblical prophecy, are starting to invade 
where the Bible says they're going to invade. It's all ticking. And if we're not ready, then it won't be good. I think it'd be too late. When it all kicks off, if you're not ready, it'd be too late. It's too late to be scrambling for this. Oh, John 6, 49 said this. Oh, gee, I'm just going like, to pray it really hard and I'll yell it and scream it. No, you're trying to enter into a principle, not a person. Yeah, you put all the principles up. Get the person. You're being like a rich young ruler trying to make it happen through principle. Oh, but I did this, I did this, I did this. If I just say this, no, no. It's you've got to eat and drink the person. The bride, it says, has made herself ready. And the bride is being making herself ready through every generation. Because it's never about when. And see, we don't, if you knew it was going to be next week, everyone would be leaving here different, wouldn't you? If you knew the end of the world was next week, how much priorities are going to change? I guarantee you it will be on our faces in about two seconds. But because we don't know the when, it's like, oh, it's all good. It's fine. It's years away. The Bible says that he's going to come like in the days of Noah when everybody's getting marrying, drinking on YouTube, on Facebook. Oh, what's that? Here I am. See, I'm trying to stir us, and this is what the apostolic gift does. It stirs up, but it upsets. Because it stirs up like this, like a big pot. And that's the purpose for it. To awaken us. Because it's never about when, but why. Because there's a whole world that needs to hear about the person that we know. I mean, I'm having chats with our kids, and I was so encouraged having to share this with Danielle that Maddie put her hand up and was talking last Sunday, saying how she was sharing in her classroom when other kids said, oh, yeah, that guy Jesus, oh, yeah, he's supposed to have died and rose again. Three of them were having a conversation to it. She said, no, he did. He did die and rise again. They were talking about Easter. And I was just, that's my girl. She's fearless. She hasn't learnt stuff yet. So she's fearless. See, we've been sent. We're a sent people with a purpose. We're citizens from heaven, ambassadors with a message. We've got to live the message before we can proclaim the message. Because if you try and proclaim a message without living it, they smell a rat. They go, that stinks. Sounds good, but you don't live it. I want to see it. I want to taste it. I want to feel it. I want to know it. If it's as good as you say it is, then prove it. Romans 12, 2 says, if your mind is being transformed, you will prove the will of God. So we're to be a people who prove what his will is because we have surrendered to it. And so we are to be sacrificial, selfless, servants, set apart, and then sent.
and love is the thing that does it. So, Father, I just thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you that you're building us with this powerful word, substance of heaven, that will set us free, set us ablaze as we position ourselves to receive. And we have nothing to be afraid of because you love us. And we're on a journey of loving one another with that love. And because you love us, we can allow you in. And we can be real and true and honest. And Father, I pray we'd go home tonight and pray that prayer with such a ferocity and a passion that you'd come and invade our space. And you would take your rightful place in our hearts, on the throne of our hearts. And if we're on there, we'd move off through receiving you. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you build by your giftings and through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Um, what we're going to do, if we just do this maybe for like, what is that time? 6.30? Maybe for like half an hour if we can. There's three questions in your booklet. How has this series of teaching on the apostle impacted your life as a follower? Why is it so important that the gift of the apostle operates in the body? And what role do you see the apostolic gift playing in your life going forward? And how will you let this gift influence your life? So just in a group, if someone wants to lead that, just start firing those questions out. And we'll do it till 7. If you need to go, feel free to go. Um, but if you can stay for about half an hour, that would be awesome.